Hey, and welcome to the 12 Stone Church Podcast. Thank you so much for taking time to be a part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message. Welcome, welcome to church. We're glad that you're with us this weekend. We're glad that you're hanging out here. And if you've been around 12 Stone for a while, you know that we're sitting inside of this book of Acts. And we're looking back at our family pictures, if you are, our church's family photo album, that that's our, our lineage that we come from. And we're walking through story after story in the book of Acts. And we just picked five. There's, there's hundreds of stories we could tell. We picked five for this series. And today we're going to jump into a, another one of those stories. And what we're going to be talking about today is when life gets hard. How many of y'all have ever been through a hard season? Here, campuses, 12, if your hand's not up, write a book, man. Like, that's, that sounds great. I've been through hard seasons. Like, life doesn't always work like it's supposed to. Over the last two weeks, my family and I moved. So I've had a hard two weeks. Anyone enjoy moving? Raise your hand. Thank you. It's the worst. Moving is the absolute worst. You have to take everything you've ever owned and move it down the road somewhere else and hopefully not break anything. It's terrible. The last two times we moved, just stuff hit the fan multiple times. And so I said, this time, I'm going to solve it. I'm going to put together a plan. If you don't know me, I like to be in control of things. Like I like, I'm a little OCD. I like to have a plan that works where I know step one to step two and I love like having things in control. So I put a plan together. So here's the deal. We're going we're gonna to get We're going to start packing early. So we'll have everything in boxes well before the move. We'll close and sell our house on a Friday and not buy our next one till Monday. So there's no way that they can mess up the closing documents or moving funding where it needs to go. And I'm at an age now where my friends have stopped asking me to help them move, which means I can't ask them to help me move. They'd rather write me a check than me help ask them to move, right? Like, we're getting too old. You got a pregame ibuprofen at our age, right? <laughs> Trust me, that's a great tip. It actually works. So I got all the plan together. My wife called all the utility companies. And we're like, Here, here's the day we're moving in. Make sure everything's lined up. And then it all started to happen. And the day we sold our house, it was so smooth. Like, we were laughing around the closing table. I got to sell my house to an awesome 12-stone couple. It was awesome. It all worked. 30 minutes, we were out. Over the weekend, we finished packing everything up. And then on Monday, we closed on our new house and everything went perfect. I'm going, Amber, we did it. We mastered the art of, of moving. And then the moving company, supposed to be there at 8 a.m. on Tuesday, they call me at 7.30 and I'm going, here's where it all falls apart. They call me to ask if I wanted anything from Starbucks on their way over. I'm going, Amber, I legit figured this out. They show up at 8 o'clock. It's a, it's, a, it's a 12 stone company. I didn't really connect the dots. These guys, kingdom movers, they show up. They prayed over the move. Jesus, would you protect us in this move? It was the smoothest move we've ever had. They set up our beds. I didn't even know they'd do that. Like, it was incredible. The water's turned on. The electrical's turned on. We're like, we did it. And then an internet company that will not be named. <laughs> Comcast. Um, they... They were supposed to be there to set up our internet, and they showed up on time, and then they came in and said, Mr. Barry, uh, we messed up something at the box, and we can't hook you up. We've got to actually dig over closer to the house. It's too far from the house, so you're not going to have internet for a little bit. I said, how long is a little bit? They said, six to eight weeks. I said, in the name of Jesus, no, that cannot happen. 
There's only one spot in my house I get one bar of cell phone service. Like I'm leaning against the wall. I'm cut off from the earth for eight days. I have no internet. I have no cell phone. Our kids have no Netflix. My wife's trying to set up the house and the kids are like just fussing and fighting and we can't just be like, watch something dumb while we do something important, right? Like we're stuck. And then finally we figured out, I got to a manager and they, they did it and it was awesome. And so this week on Monday, we got internet. We're connected back to the world. And I was like, God, you're so good. This is great. And Thursday, I'm up in my office and I'm just worshiping God and I'm preparing this teaching and I'm praying and I'm in the word. I'm like, God, I'm so blessed. And I heard a commotion downstairs and I went, oh no. And I ran downstairs and I turned the corner down to my basement and I can only describe it as a horrific scene. My, my 13 year old was trying to be helpful and he was trying to take a five gallon bucket of paint down to the basement and it was so heavy and he was just trying to help I love his heart, but it, it, it didn't go well. He's taking this bucket, and he's setting it on one step, and then he takes the next step down. Next step, next step down, and somewhere on the third step, he set it too far forward, and this five, did I say five gallons? Five-gallon bucket of paint goes head over heels and explodes paint everywhere on our carpeted stairs to the basement. I turn the corner. I come from downstairs or upstairs. I come down. I turn the corner. And the only thing I can explain is my brain fried. Like every circuit just went bleep blorp and it just shut down. And all I could do was just go, oh, oh, I couldn't make words. People asked me, did you scream at your son? I said, it was so horrific. I couldn't put words out. I just kept saying, oh, and I literally, I, I look, and I'm just, oh, and I just, I just walked away. And I took 20 seconds. I literally did this. Oh, and I said, it can't be that bad. I went and looked again. Just, oh, it's not bad. It's every bit that bad. And my wife's brain fried. And her brain, the way she fried, I looked down and she's on the stairs in her clothes, covered in paint, just like, it's going to be okay. Pretty bird. Pretty bird. I can fix this. I can fix it. We're losing our minds. And I said, Amber, the carpet's dead to us now. It's not coming back. Get it off the walls. So I'm throwing her beach towel. She's like, well, buy new beach towels. She's scrubbing the walls down, and we're spreading the paint out, trying to get it evenly spread around the carpet so it'll soak up. And this afternoon, it's finally dry. I'm going to be ripping carpet out this afternoon. Listen, I had a plan for moving. It was going so well. Everything was perfect until it wasn't. And we hit these seasons in life, don't we? It, you, you can be walking through a, your life and like it's, it's working. Everything's going well. This is easy. And then you hit a hard season. And this, this experience, it's a microcosm of life, right? In, in, a, in a church this size, there are numbers of us that are in these hard seasons right now where you hit something and go, this is not how it's supposed to go. I had a plan for my life. Graduate high school, get into college, graduate meet somebody, get married, get a house, get a 401k, and life's supposed to just work. But you got to be honest, in the last 18 months, we've realized that life can get hard really fast, haven't we? See, every time you go to the doctors, it's not always an attaboy and a lollipop and everything's good. Every time you meet with your boss, it's not a promotion and a congratulations. You don't always get to Pick your roommate in college or pick the person who lives in the apartment above you. You don't, you don't always get to control everything. And sometimes we hit these seasons where life gets hard. 
And thus far in this story of, of Acts and our family album, if you will, we've looked at the highlight reel. Thousands of people coming to Christ, the church advancing, God showing up, miracles happening. We'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the, the things that happened between the highlight reel, which is the hard times. See, in between the highlight reel of the book of Acts, there are hard seasons. See, the church, early church, we are not the only ones who've gone through hard things. The early church did. They were, they were shouted down. They were driven out. They were beaten up. They were imprisoned and even killed for their faith. The early church went through hard seasons. And today, we're going to be looking at one of the hard moments from the book of Acts. We're asking the question, what are we supposed to do when life gets hard? So if you want to, you can grab your Bibles. We're going to be sitting inside of Acts 16. We're we'll starting in verse 19. And while you're turning there, let me set the scene of what's happening. We're looking at Paul and his sort of missionary buddy, Silas. And what's happened is Paul enters his city, and this young woman who was, who was actually owned by these two men, she, had, she was possessed by a spirit that could tell the future. And so these men that owned her would sell her around saying, listen, that she'll tell you their, your future for some money. But this woman, when, they, when she sees Paul and Silas comes in, she starts going, these men are men of God. They'll tell you the, the way to salvation. And she just follows them around for day after day. And scripture tells us Paul eventually got so annoyed, he turned around and said, in the name of Jesus, I cast this spirit out. And she's healed in a moment. Like that's a good day for this woman, a, a beautiful thing, the power of God through Paul. The problem was that the, the dudes who owned this woman were not happy about it. And here's where the story picks up. Let's read this together. When her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates like judges and said, these men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or to practice. It gets worse. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. That's not a story that hits the highlight reels. Like, they were doing everything they were supposed to do. They were serving God. They loved Jesus. They just cast a demon out of a woman, and the payback for this is getting beaten and imprisoned. This is hard for us to even fathom in our, in our American context. Like the thought that they were beaten and imprisoned just for being Christians. Now, one day we might have to have a persecution conversation on a Sunday. But for now, it's, it's looking at this through the filter of they were going through a hard time. Even though they did everything right, everything didn't go right. See, they were in a difficult season. And through our 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 filter of our American context, it's so hard to even read this story because we can subtly have our theology meld into the world's theology, which is when life's going well and things are easy and things work, God's blessing you. Hashtag blessed. And when things get hard and we, we, we have uphill sort of journeys and things don't work like they're supposed to, it's like, God, you've abandoned me. You've cursed me. See, our culture thinks when things go right, you're blessed, and when they don't, you're, you're cursed, and our theology can start to drift. Listen to me. The early church didn't think of hard times as bad times. The early church had a different disposition towards them, and what we're talking about today, I have to give us a framework. See, church, we need a story 
to orient us to where we've been, where we are, and where we're headed. We have to understand the, the size and scope of the story. And here, here's how the story plays out. I want to take us to the beginning of the Bible. In Genesis 1, God creates a perfect world. Everything works like it's designed to work. There's order. There's beauty. Things are working. That's how the, the Bible starts. And then one step over in Genesis 3, sin enters the world. And as soon as sin enters the world, the potential for life to be hard just was created. Life was working. Everything was great. Sin entered the world, and now life is going to be hard. That's frame one. Let me go all the way over here to the end of the Bible. Revelation 19, we, we read about the second coming of Jesus when he returns, and he, and he makes everything right again. All the things that, he, that God had in, in mind at the beginning are now made right again, a new heaven, a new earth. And if you're a follower of Jesus, everything is right again. That's the end of the Bible. The problem is, we live here. And I'm going to call this, we live in the in-between. We live between Genesis 3, the fall, and Revelation 19, when Jesus returns again. And we live sort of stuck in between this. We're, we're simultaneously anchored to the hope of eternity and yet tethered to this fallen world. And, and the in-between is where hard stuff happens, where pain happens, where hurt happens, where sorrow happens. So you have to understand, if, if you're looking at the roadmap in the mall, the X, you are here, this is where we are, church. We, we look forward with hope for eternity, but we look back realizing we're in a fallen world, and that is where hurt and sadness and sorrow and suffering come from. But here's what Satan loves to do. Satan loves to attack us in the in-between. He loves to attack us by whispering lies that do not take into account the timeline we just talked about from Genesis 3 to Revelation 19. He loves to whisper lies, loves to say things like, listen, if you're in a hard season, God has abandoned you. If you're in a hard season, God's punishing you. If you're in a hard season, you must not have enough faith or be praying right. If you're in a hard season, God is nowhere near you. If you're a Christian, if you walk with God, God owes you an easy and good life. Listen, God never promised us the American dream. Church, you got to get this. God never promised that. And Satan loves to make you buy into promises God never made. And when God doesn't meet that expectation, you drift from him. And Satan loves to attack in the in-between when you're in a hard season. And so it's so important for us to understand, have a theology of Christian suffering. Church, the early church understood this because suffering was in, around every corner. In America, life's pretty good. My hard time was no internet and some spilled paint. Now, don't get me wrong. That was bad. <laughs> but the early church's hard times were beatings and prison and death. So their view of this was almost innate in them. We have to go back and recapture it. So I want to pick us back up in our story. So we, we, we left off. They took the demon and said, get out in Jesus' name. They were arrested. They were beaten. And now they're in prison. And what do they do? Here's their response to a hard season. Let's read this together. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Come on, Paul and Silas. 
Like your response is to sing. You just got like you're still bleeding from your beatings. You're, you're in handcuffs in prison and your response is to sing. Listen, when you truly hit a hard time, you realize that God is all you have. And their response was a response realizing and recognizing God is all we have here. And listen, that is enough. In America, we, we are so messed up with, I need this to be happy. What Paul and Silas recognized, listen, I think Paul recognized I'm in the in-between and my soul longs for the perfection and hope of eternity, but I recognize that I live in a fallen, sinful world, and I can look back just a few short years ago when Jesus stepped out of the perfection of eternity and stepped into my suffering and met me on the road to Damascus. He changed everything. Why wouldn't I worship that God? That's who I'm worshiping. See, here, here, here's the truth we have to grab a hold of. If we're living in the in-between, listen, in the in-between, Joy and sorrow can occupy the same heart. This is a paradoxical thought inside the in-between. In the in-between, joy and sorrow can actually take up the same real estate. And that doesn't make sense because in our culture, joy is dependent on our circumstances. If I've got a great house and a great job and I've got a, a girlfriend or a spouse or kids that are great, like, of course I have joy. But when those things fade away... I experienced sorrow. And what the early church understood is that somehow joy and sorrow can actually occupy the same heart. Here's how Paul himself would explain it in 2 Corinthians. Grab a hold of this scripture. This is an in-between theology scripture. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are, are seen are transient. They come and go. But the things that are unseen are eternal. Do you feel that in between? Like, yes, I'm wasting away on the outside, but inside I'm being renewed daily. Yes, this world is difficult and I, I have these afflictions, but the hope of eternity is what I look to. See, the in-between theology, listen, how do Christians go through hard times? We sit in the in-between and we acknowledge that, man, outwardly I'm wasting away. But man, on the inside, God's renewing me. I can sit with joy in the midst of sorrow, not because I'm good, but because God is good. And I can sit inside of that paradoxical thought. And you say, well, of course, Paul can say that. Sure, Paul, he's like, he's like the dude. He wrote 13 books in the New Testament. Of course he can say that. That doesn't play out like that anymore. Any of y'all catch Mark Rick's post? Mark Rick was the former Georgia Bulldog UGA head football coach. Here's, here's how he came out and told the world about his diagnosis. Look at this. I've been waddling around lately, and people have asked me what's wrong. I decided to tell everybody at the same time. I've been diagnosed with Parkinson's. Truthfully, I look at it, remember the scripture we just read, as a momentary light affliction compared to the future glory in heaven. Thank you, Jesus, for promising us a future blessing of a glorified body that has no sin and no disease. In the meantime, you know what the meantime is? The in-between. In the meantime, I'm going to enjoy the blessings that I do have. See, that's a man who understands the gospel and understands that he's, although stuck in the in-between, 
He can acknowledge the, the, the pain of a diagnosis, but have the hope of eternity. And that is the reality. See, when I hit a hard season, maybe when you hit a hard season, you need to whisper under your breath. That's the in-between. This, this might be profound for you. When you hit a hard season, maybe you just need to whisper. It's the in-between. It's sort of like a, 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 a password, a, a clue, like a, like a code word between me and God where I can just say, that's the in-between. And that just means, listen, I can acknowledge that this stinks right now, but God, I have hope for eternity. When you, when you come up against something in your health, you lose someone you love, you have something at work, you have something at school, and you hit it and go, this is not how it's supposed to be. Just whisper, this is the in-between. Oh, God, it's the in-between. Yes, I acknowledge that this world can be tough, but oh, God, the hope, joy, and sorrow can occupy the same heart. That's what the in-between is about. The story doesn't end there. Paul and Silas are worshiping, and there's power when you worship in a hard season. Here's how the story continues. After they were worshiping, suddenly there was a violent earthquake, that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open, and everybody's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword, about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul said, wait, don't harm yourself. We're all here. Here's what happened. They worshiped, and the power of God showed up. And it shook the prison, opened the doors, freed them from their hardship. Here's the good news. God has not abandoned us in the in-between. See, we're, yes, we're stuck here, the hope of eternity, looking back at the fallen nature of the world and the pain that comes with it, but God's not abandoned us in it. And here is a truth. Maybe you need to write this down. See, in the in-between, God will either deliver you from hardship or develop you with hardship. God will either deliver you from hardship or he'll develop you with hardship. Power came when they worshiped in a painful season. And the power of God will either free you from the hardship or develop you with the hardship. See, 18 months ago, we had nights of prayer. And oh my goodness, the stories of God delivering people from hardships. We had people healed of chronic diseases. We had people with mental things they just couldn't get themselves past. And God healed them in a moment. And the power of God showed up when they worshiped and they prayed. But equally, the same power that can deliver you from a hardship can actually develop you, grow you up inside with a hardship. In fact, one of the best tools God uses to grow us up is hard seasons. It's like someone wanting to get jacked and ripped and saying, but I don't want to be sore from lifting weights afterwards. Well, then you're not going to get jacked. That's not how it works. Like, obviously, I don't lift. Like, it, I don't want that. But if I did, I'd have to deal with the, the pain and the soreness of what it means to get stronger and grow up. See, Romans 5, again, here's how Paul explains what this looks like. Romans 5 says, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, we also glory in our suffering. We glory, we revel in our suffering. Why? Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. And perseverance, character. And character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. See, that's an in-between theology, understanding I revel in hard times. Listen, church, I'll speak for myself. I don't do well reveling in hard times. I would rather God grow me up with blessings. Like, God, I know the, the root of all evil is money, but let's try it. <laughs> Ever think that? 
Like, I know, God, you can grow me up through hard times, but let's just try a different path. Maybe you and I can, like, cut a new path for this thing. I don't enjoy hard times. But in fact, hardships develop perseverance, which develops character, which grows hope. You see, I'm moving this direction. God's making us more like Jesus, more like what it's going to look like in eternity. And one of the primary ways he does that is through hard times. See, my kids got braces recently. And just this week, Lizzie came home from like her fourth tightening. Y'all remember having braces? Every time my wife and I plan, this is part of why our week was hard, because she got her braces tightened. We plan for an afternoon where it's just like, this is going to be bad. She comes home every time and goes and lays on her bed. It's not worth it. I don't want straight teeth. Take them off. Go get pliers. I don't want straight teeth. That's a human response, isn't it? And don't pretend that's just a 12-year-old response. I have that response. God, I'm kind of good enough. God, I'm kind of happy with where I've gotten to. I don't want another hard season. And yet the early church reveled in it. See, my hunger to be more like Jesus has to be greater than my hunger to have an easy life. Church, we've got to wake up to this. I'm terrified of how how quickly our theology can just meld to the culture. God, I want to avoid pain at all costs. I want my life to be easy. And I'll, I'll give up perseverance, which gets to character, which gets to hope, as long as my life just works. And yet the early church, the picture we look back on says, you trust me, just like Lizzie, trust me. In 10 years, you'll be so glad you went through the pain of braces so that your wedding picture is not like this. Like, you'll be so glad. I think that's what the Spirit of God would whisper to us. Listen, 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 listen. Sometimes it's really hard to see what God's doing in a hard season until you look back. And Lizzie will look back one day and say, thank you, Dad. Thank you for not ripping those brackets off my teeth. And I think someday you'll look back and say, God, that season was terrible. I lost somebody I loved. And oh, God, I would have done a lot to spare that. God, I... I went through a financial hard season where I took losses, but oh God, what you formed in me. There are things you can only learn in a hard season. See, Paul and Silas didn't know what God was doing. They couldn't see the whole story. All they knew was like, listen, in the moment, I'm going to agree that joy and sorrow can sit in the same heart. And that God, whether you deliver me from this prison or with this prison, I'm just trusting. And then God begins to lay out a plan that was bigger than Paul or Silas could have ever imagined. Here's how the story continues. The jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. And that hour of the night, the jailer took them, washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God. He and his whole household. Listen, God can use your hard seasons for a greater purpose. Paul and Silas couldn't understand what God was doing, but God was working a plan where this guy who was once their enemy, the jailer that beat them and imprisoned them, would turn to Christ and be hours later from the beating. Now he's cleaning the damage that he did to Paul and Silas. See, God was writing a story that Paul and Silas could not understand. And notice, it wasn't an eloquent sermon. 
It wasn't a Bible tract that was handed to him. It wasn't a church service. It was how Paul and Silas walked through a hard season. See, if you're a follower of Jesus, the way you walk through hard seasons reveals Jesus to the world. And you look at this story and you go, I don't get it. Like that, why did it have to be that way? See, I think the gospel whispers through your life when it's easy, but the gospel screams through your life in a season of pain. See, the world knows what to do when Christians have a good life and they're, and they're joyful. They don't know how to fathom when a Christian goes through a hard time and they're still having the joy of the Lord. It doesn't make sense. You look at this and go, how does this play out? Bring this to today. Bring this to here and now. I stumbled upon this video that rocked my heart. The best I can tell, the young man in this video, he works in the airline industry. I can't tell if he's a, if he's a flight attendant or if he works at the gate, but he admits at the top of the video, it says, I was having a hard day. And so I pulled away to sort of get my head straight and he begins to worship. And a young lady that just happens to be passing by is captivated by it. I want you to watch this and watch how a man who pulled away to worship in a hard season marked this other lady. Check this out. Whatever you're going through, just know that God's got you. I know it gets rough sometimes, and I know it seems tough sometimes, but hold your head up high. God's got you. Oh, God's got you. Even when you don't love yourself, God's got you. Even when you're looking for it from everybody else, God's got you. Hold on, keep on finding the good final favor. Don't you give up. Oh, God's got you. <laughs> no problem. You needed that? Yes, I wow. Whatever you're going through, he's got you. Jesus. God, he's got you. Thank you, Jesus. God's got you. You gotta keep on trusting. Is that beautiful? See, what captivated her was not his beautiful voice, although it was beautiful. It was something in the way that he worshiped through his pain that drew her in. See, I believe that the church, as we rise with a spirit of joy in hard times, that the world will come, will come looking for this Jesus that we cling to. See, for the, the world, if you don't know Jesus, the in-between is all you have. You don't acknowledge the sinful fall and you don't, you don't look for the hope of eternity. All you have is the in-between. And so when something falls apart in the in-between, your world just collapsed. And so when they watch us, church, when they watch us deal with something in our in-between falling apart and we have joy in the midst of sorrow and when we keep worshiping even when things are hard, they look and go, that doesn't make sense to me. You have a voice to speak in seasons that are hard that you'll never have in seasons that are easy. When I lost my mom, when my dad lost his wife, the amount of people that said, how can you come out of this? That he got to just say, listen, like the young man did, just Jesus. The church, when life gets hard, your platform gets massive. And you don't know what God's doing in the hard season. Sometimes he'll free you. 
from the hardship, and sometimes he'll grow you up through it. But listen, God wants to redeem your pain. It's never wasted in the kingdom of God. And what he wants to do through a church is have a church that would arise to this knowledge that, listen, we live in the in-between. We have a hope for eternity. And that hope allows joy and sorrow to sit inside the same heart at the same moment. And it's confounding to a lost world. And if we would rise up to this, I think God would give us a platform the size of which we've never known for the world to see Jesus. See, Paul and Silas, they worshiped in prison. And I don't know where you're at. Maybe you're going through a hard time. Maybe the Spirit of God would just say, listen, would you worship? I know it's hard. I know it doesn't make sense sometimes, but just would you acknowledge who God is? Acknowledge that you're in the in-between, but God is over all things. So as we sit in this, I got to answer the question that we started with. So what do we do in hard times? See, that was an underpinning theology to everything that you have to understand with a theology of Christian suffering. When things get hard, this is the backdrop. This is what God's doing. But, but what do we do in the here and now? This is the simplest way I can put it. The two things you do is you look to eternity and you live in community. So you, you, you look to eternity and you live in community. The early church they gathered all the time, and they talk about eternity all the time. 255 times in the early church did they reference heaven. Why? Because as they gathered together, they were reminding each other, listen, we're in the in-between, but oh, heaven's coming. We're stuck in the mess of this fallen world, but oh, heaven's coming. You'll be with Jesus again. They gathered to, to remind each other of that. And I've watched social media as thousands of you begin to regather at live or at home. And although each post has its own flavor, here's what I'm hearing. Here's the narrative. Oh, it was so good to be back with other believers. I've gathered online for a long time. It's my first time back. It did something different in my soul. You know why? Because when you're in a hard time, gathering and reminding each other of who God is is powerful. See, look to eternity. And secondly, live in community. Paul had Silas. I like to think that Paul would sing a little bit. He'd get down and tired, and Silas would he'd jump in and go, oh, no, keep singing. And Silas would get tired, and Paul would go, no, keep singing. God is still good even in this prison. So you need community. When you go through hard times, you need people around you. On Friday, my wife went to drop off our two oldest to go to the middle school retreat this weekend. I told you 10% of how tough our week was. There was a lot more. So she's hitting Friday at like a one out of 10. She's just exhausted. And she bumps into one of the girls that were in a small group together. And the girl looked at Amber and said, you okay? And they sat there in a hot asphalt parking lot for 30 minutes. And Amber just dumped all the in-between junk. Oh no, this week's been terrible. This happened and this happened. The paint thing, oh Lord. It's been a terrible week. She just stood there and said, oh, you got this girl. Strong and courageous. You have a God who's for you. Amber, you are an incredible wife, an incredible mom. You're an incredible woman. I'm telling you, she came home changed. She left our house to drop the kids off at a one. She came home encouraged because she lived inside a community. See, when you go through hard times, you look to eternity for hope. You live in community for strength. And in great part, that's why the church is here. 
So here's how I want to close. Here in 12 Stone Home, we're going to encourage you to get honest. And after the teaching's over, we're going to encourage you to share what you're going through. Pray for each other. Across the campuses, campus pastors are going to step up. We're going to pray for two groups. The first group is this. You're going through a hard time. You would say, I can relate to Paul and Silas in the prison. Financially hard time, emotionally hard time, physically hard time. You lost something you loved. The the plans and dreams you had fell apart. And we're probably going to just say, you know what? If that's you, we're going to invite you to stand here in a minute when the campus pastors hop up. That's not a moment of embarrassment. That's a moment of honesty because we're family here. We're going to pray over you. Then we're going to take a second group and say, man, if you're going through a season that's just sort of easier, things are working right now, praise God. We would pray that God would give you eyes to see someone else that's going through a hard season. And God might say, listen, as you're in this season, they're in this season. This is what the church does. Go help shoulder the burden. Go be a Silas to someone's Paul. God, would you give us eyes to do that? So campus pastors step up. And as they do, I want to start this prayer by reading 2 Corinthians 4, 8 to 11. This is an in-between reminding sort of prayer for us. So church, we are hard-pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted, but not abandoned. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. Thank you again for spending time with us today. A special thanks to those of you who generously give through 12 Stone. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. And if you want to learn more about 12 Stone, make sure you follow us on social at 12 Stone Church and check out a location or a watch party near you. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you could subscribe, share it with your friends, hit the share button, or even take a screenshot and throw it in your social stories. And make sure to tag 12 Stone Church. Let it be a blessing to somebody else. Thank you again, and we'll catch you on the next one.